Hey everybody, welcome to another awesome episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 65 with the talented Andrew Archer. Uh, Andrew is uh, an illustrator, a designer, a creative that I've been following his work for quite some time. It's been really awesome to be able to connect with him and, and figure out what what gets him up in the morning. And um, it's really cool to see how, how much uh, traveling is important to him and you can really start to see it in his work. Uh, we talk about his influences, his journey so far, the things that he's learned. It's a really awesome episode. There's there's tons to, to gain from this one. We talk about a little bit of the business and how to conduct yourself as a professional artist and sustain a living, which is great. And I think a lot of you out there um, can take this information to heart and, and, and apply it to your own career. So um, yeah, big shout out to Andrew for coming on. Thank you so much. This is going to be episode 65. Here we go. You're in Australia now? Yeah, in Melbourne. I've been here for about five months now, I think. Okay. Five or six months, yeah. And why the switch over there? Is it more work or something? Um, no. I Well, actually, before this, I lived in Bangkok for a year and a half. Oh, cool. Um, I'm not sure if I said – Yeah, it might have been on my, my bio, but I lived there for a year and a half, and then I went back there at Christmas time to New Zealand, and – I don't know. It's felt like a change. Melbourne's super creative city. You know, I'd never been here before, so I just did the the straight up move, pretty much. I just picked everything up and and moved here. Awesome. Um, not for work, just for you know, change of change of scenery. Yeah, traveling is really key for like artistic inspiration. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That you, helps so much. Do you travel often? I do so much, too much. Well, not necessarily as too much, but a lot. Yeah. Like every month. Um, I think in the past I've always, especially when I was living overseas, I used to try to every every month or two, you know, go somewhere new. Hmm. Um, it's obviously a lot harder here because Melbourne's a lot more expensive than Bangkok. But <laughs> yeah, I guess um, just be a, a city like this, though. I mean, even in the weekend. Yeah, there's so much to find, there's so much to see, so much culture here, so I guess you don't have to travel, you know, per se as much, but... Because um, the city offers a lot of things? Yeah, it definitely does, and, you know, there's always the honeymoon honeymoon period when you're in a new city, so... <laughs> sure. <That helps. laughs> yeah, the exploratory, like, ex- exploring and trying everything out in the different restaurants and stuff. Yeah, no doubt, yeah. You, you but I love it here. I've got an awesome, awesome studio I share with like eight or nine other people. Oh, really? Which That's I've never cool. done before, yeah. How do you like that? It's awesome. It's like a complete change of pace because I always work with, you know, by myself before. So, I mean, the beginning was a bit weird, but at the same time, I absolutely love it. It's great for, like, bouncing ideas off people. Just, just a good environment, you know. You, you just share what you're doing. You know, if you want to vent about... Someone being annoying, you can if you want to get <laughs> feedback. And <laughs> yeah, you're not so insular, huh? Yeah, well, it's funny because I always was a really social person, but I think I always, you know, I was just kind of expected. I worked by myself because that's kind of how I always did. But I definitely appreciate it. You know, a lot. It's good. I don't think I'd ever go back to maybe later on, but not anytime soon to working by myself. 
I've been thinking about it heavily myself because I've been um, just, I'm always in my office in my house and, and it's just me yeah. and my dog, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, my wife and daughter come home and, you know, then I switch it off. But um, I love being around other creatives for those exact reasons is being able to, to really bounce ideas off and stuff. And I use Skype and instant message and all that stuff, obviously to help, but um, nothing yeah. beats being right next to somebody else or somebody that's better than you at other things. You just grow so much faster, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, it's completely organic. It just, everything kind of falls into place. I, I said I had no idea what it was going to be like, but yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I'd talk the same. I'd spoken over Skype and messengers and stuff and, you know, it's a bit tedious, like, you know, sending back in four or five messages, you know, feedback with people. It doesn't feel as the connection's not there. Sure. But, yeah, that's yeah, really it's, cool. It's that's inspiring. inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring to think about. Yeah. I really want to create something like that out here in San Diego. It'd be really awesome. Or like a shared space that everybody can rent out. There's That actually is pretty common from what I understand from old days with comic artists. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's hugely popular. Here in Melbourne, there's a quite a lot of. When I first moved here, I went, I went and checked out maybe six or seven, maybe eight different shared spaces with people. People just doing everything, you know, illustrators, artists, visual like projection dudes, like also sound people, everything, mm. pretty much, you know. Like, and the place I'm in now is a good mixture of, you know, um, pretty much everyone: architects, photographers, web developers, writer all sorts of things yeah, that's very cool yeah that sounds like it probably helps you cross-pollinate like ideas too and possibly collaborations and stuff that might not have like happened if you were by yourself i suppose huh but oh yeah. definitely yeah. yeah definitely i'm all like i'm all excited for that now <laughs> it's cool yeah, <laughs> yeah but i can yeah, make it happen i mean i think in the future there's something i'd like to look into doing as well no matter where i do settle i think i always will either try to join one or, or as you said, you know, just form one yourself. I mean, here it's exact. I do exactly as you said. I, yeah, it's just a, a space that's leased to people. You know, we all pay like monthly and just, it's just work. Everyone just works here solely, but as one, you know, it's under, it's branded under a name, you know, the kind of area as a, as a workshop area, but yeah, it's all, everyone works themselves. So I suppose that's kind of like the future. Works. The future model of, of of this kind of field, I suppose, you know, it's like, I mean, Lucas Ranch has, you know, like there's this, there's studios, there's these big studios, and that's just people that have a building that have the projects underneath them. But um, yeah, in spaces like what you're talking about, I, I feel like that's possibly the way of the future where people are just sharing and renting spaces. They have a couple things out here that are like that, but they're a bit far. San Diego's kind of sprawled out, so. Mm. And I don't like wasting time in, in a car, like commuting. I hate that. So, yeah, yeah. so do I. yeah, it's a waste of time. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Is it is the traffic out there pretty bad? Um, it is so hard to me <laughs> to say. Obviously, because I moved here directly from living in Bangkok for a year and a half, which oh, yeah. the traffic is absolutely insane. Yeah. So I don't I don't actually find it that bad. I mean, I ride a bike <laughs> everywhere. Oh, I perfect. live like five minutes bike ride from my studio, so. Oh, perfect. I don't really experience, you know, but I mean, it's, yeah, I can't compare. Asia's absolutely crazy for traffic, so. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really necessarily mind it as much, you know, as long as it doesn't, as you said, it, as long as it doesn't ease into too much of your day, it's, it's not too bad. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I mean, sometimes it's good to have that disconnection. There's there's a lot of creatives that I know that appreciate a little break in their day to reset. So they leave from their house. And yes. Even people that, and I, that's something that I haven't done and I don't allow time for yet, but I've, I noticed it's a, a bit of a trend for people to mentally shift, even if it's walking around the block back to your studio yeah, yeah. or something, you know, so... Yeah, well, I found that. I mean, that was one of the biggest things about when I think I uh, I made the change from working, you know, by and for myself to being in a studio. Just that extra bit of time in the day, the separation between work and home. I'd never done it before. I had no idea what it was going to be like. I wasn't sure if it was going to be good or bad, but I, I found it just absolutely fantastic for me. I'm far more productive. I think it's, I don't know, it's just getting up and getting ready to go. Somewhere in the morning was completely foreign to me. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it totally was to me, and uh, I think it's it's definitely helped. It's helped with my work a lot, focus. So, what is it that does it for me. you then? What is that? I'm um, sorry. What do you mean? Like, um, so I'm just trying to like get to the psychology of it. So when you allow the, this possible shift to happen, what is that? What do you feel that's mm-hmm. like happening inter- internally that's allowing for this, I suppose, mental shift? Um, I wouldn't know. I think, you know, you, you go through stages of life where I think just different things get you to certain points. Um, when I was obviously, when I first started out, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily any of those things that I thought about. I was just completely focused on doing work. And then, you know, a few years go by, you get to your next goals, you have to re, you know, evaluate and redo things. I think just the whole the separation, the next step of doing this was definitely, you know, working in the studio was absolutely massive. I don't know what, what exactly it is. Probably just interaction, to be honest. I think the social element of it. Yeah. It's totally ace. Yeah. I can't actually pinpoint it though. I think it's just different, you know, different stages of your life. You want different things. You know, for a while I just, I lived off travel for inspiration. It was always my biggest thing, culture, things like that. You should come out to San Diego. Do it. I will be going to the States uh, early next year for about three months. Killer. Are you going to be in in the Southern California area? I think I will be. I mean, I haven't completely planned it out, but I want to spend, you know, kind of split my time uh, between both coasts. Cool. Just for fun Um, or, or for work? Um, pretty much fun. I'm actually, it's kind of for work, just some side projects I'm doing, but also for basketball. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like, a basketball uh, fanatic, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've never, I mean, I've stopped off in the States quite a lot, but I've never spent a good amount of time there. I've always wanted to. So I figured next year, you know, I'm going to come over, hopefully do some work, meet a lot of people I've worked with, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. Do you have a lot of clients in the States? Yeah, a lot. Um, Percentage-wise, like what, 50% or more than that? Uh, I think probably about 50% now, yeah. I mean, it used to be a lot more in Europe because my agent was always, their head office always was based in in London. Mm. But the New York office has grown hugely, and I mean, just the amount of work there. I think my work kind of probably resonates and it's just maybe stronger in that sort of audience. I mean, the styles between the difference between, you know, Europe and the U S is, I mean, it's, it's not massive, but it's noticeable. And I think my work just fits in maybe a bit better there. And I like the clients there, you know, there's good, there's good people. I think who match my work. 
Yeah, nice. your work has uh, definitely has a mix. Like you can tell that you're inspired by a couple different things. Um, yeah, ma- yeah. Mainly Japanese artists, like traditional ones too, which I think you've mentioned that you're a fan of as well. And yeah, hugely. I think. What draws that, you to uh, that? Uh, I have always wondered this. I think it started with <laughs> food itself. I mean, I've always been. I'm a massive food fan. I've always loved culture. I grew up. Um, in New Zealand, even though it's in the middle of nowhere in the ocean, it's extremely cultured. Same as Melbourne, there's a huge, I mean, there's people from all over Asia who live there. The food quality of Asian food in general is absolutely awesome. And I just, I, know, I made a lot of friends. I grew up with a lot of people from Asia and somehow I fell into the, um, I was really good friends with a guy I played basketball with when I was younger and he, he used to draw uh, like manga and co- comic stuff when okay. we were in high school. I don't know. I think he showed me some stuff from a couple of guys. I think I might have been actually like hockey style, like real old um, woodblock and actually some Chinese stuff as well. And ever since then, I just completely fell in love with it. Yeah. I think just visually, I, I think it just, it just matches all, you know, you know, illustrators and creative people in general always have their strengths, things that, you know, really good at or they feel they're better at i think just the style of work really matches what i'm good at you know i don't like rendering stuff i love fluid like exaggerated kind of line work i just found it was such a good reference such a good good thing to base you know the foundation of my work on so sure and i absolutely love asia i mean i spent the last four years before i lived in bangkok i traveled around nearly everywhere in asia for a year before that so have you spent time in japan i have i spent uh three or four months there cool uh two two years back what part of japan uh mainly tokyo i just i, I arrived there and i <laughs> you're like uh, all right <laughs> I, just, yeah, I mean it's, it's absolutely massive you know there's so much to explore the art the history i just found i found you know i got in touch with a lot of really good creatives there and I mean, I, I, I easily could have moved there instead of here to Melbourne, but I think I, I kind of missed after being in Asia for that long, missed uh, the connection you know, with New Zealand and Australia are pretty similar in the culture themselves. And I kind of missed you know, a lot of my friends, which I grew up with who live in Australia, being close to my family. You know, I hadn't seen my family in years. So. Uh, my mom's so happy i'm only three hours away there you go <laughs> like yeah make the ha- make the mom happy so <laughs> yeah definitely i have a lot of friends but that I, work at weta so did you ever get involved with weta at all when you're out in new zealand uh naturally i knew a lot of people who did work for them uh i never got involved with them i haven't worked with them. i actually haven't worked with many people in new zealand at all to be honest i don't I mean, it's, it's a really small, small place, which is a lot of it's blessing, but, you know, work-wise, it's, you know, the market's obviously not as big as overseas. It's really beautiful there. Some of the things that I've seen, uh, so lush and like green, mm, lots of nature, natural it's, goodness. It's just crazy. Like, I've been lucky enough to travel, you know, a lot so far in my life, but every time I go back there, it's just, it's almost unbelievable. You know, the beaches, it's just so many of them there's nobody on them <laughs> i heard james <laughs> cameron crazy. moved out there for a reason so yeah because i think yeah, he lives I, there now know, so. I can't blame him. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've heard that there's a couple people that are 
this gonna stay there forever because it's just a, like this little wonderland out in the middle of nowhere so or not really in the middle of nowhere yeah. but it's not like uh, it's not like isolated yeah. like hawaii but yeah it's pretty isolated yeah <laughs> it's a long way from everything yeah you, pretty much if you, if you want to go anywhere you have to fly 12 hours i mean except for australia and places in the islands like, like philippines or somewhere yeah philippines is kind of close too right it was like six hours away Oh, no, it's longer than that. From New Zealand, it's probably like 10, I think. Damn, really? The closest probably besides Australia is probably Bali. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'll have to look at a map again. I didn't know it was that that far disconnected. But, yeah, I'm, that's definitely on my list of places to go. And I'm, I'm hopefully going to be out in Tokyo in, in February. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited for what it's going to do to my mind. <laughs> yeah how, how long are you planning to go for uh i probably will only be able to get squeeze in two weeks max so i have a family and, and i'm pretty set up here in san diego so it's a little bit challenging for me to yeah to, 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 to move around i'm i'm assuming that you do or you don't have one no i'm pretty much single to the world you know i if i had on and off relationships but obviously i'm not married i don't have any kids um I do think about it now because, you know, I'm getting older, but at the same time, you know, I don't really think too far ahead. I just you know, take, take month by month, mm. slightly go ahead. But like a nomad. I think now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a way, but I'm definitely now, I feel like I want to be more settled. I've done a lot of traveling in the last few years, but now I really feel like I want to, you know, take, I wouldn't say take my job seriously, but just pursue other things which I haven't really had the time or the right circumstances to do. Um, yeah. obviously when you're overseas, you can't really start businesses absolutely everywhere, you know, both with visa and just, just how business runs overseas. You can't really do it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot of, um, red tape and a lot of all that kind of crap. I have a lot of friends that are from all around the world that are trying to get their visa here and it's a lot of challenge, challenging work for them. So yeah. it's like more yeah, stress and drama to deal with on top of like, the stress of work and creating original content and stuff. So, oh, completely. I mean, and that was one of the biggest things. Why? Well, that, besides also seeing family and friends, that was one of the bigger reasons why I did move here too. Because New Zealanders naturally get between Australia and New Zealand, we get basically free. We we pretty much treated as citizens in both countries, so we get we can start businesses here, as can Australians and New Zealand. So, mm. no work for me to get any any visas or anything, which is pretty. Handy, I guess, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, but I can see that. I don't know why. I just assumed, I thought that you probably did travel a bit just by your style um, because your style has a... Mm. I've been following your work for a while now. It's really cool to be able to chat with you. But um, Yeah, thanks, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of like the Japanese original kind of artist. I think why is... Um, and I think we kind of come from a similar background, which is maybe why my your work resonates with me. But it's design first and almost, you know, and then artistry yeah. second. Um, and that was that's, that's all so about true. composition and flow and stuff, which kind of resonates with me, which it seems like it does for you as well. Oh, massively. I mean, I, I think that was one of the... F Even now, I think when I start something, I always have that, that exact rule where... You know, if the composition is solid, if it all falls in place, I know it's going to be good. You know, if something's not really there in the beginning, I mean, no matter how much you scan in, no matter how many 
filters you put over it, <laughs> it just never really is gonna, you know, hit. It's always, yeah. As I mean, many there's been many, especially Japanese and Asian artists in specific, have always talked about you know the draftsmanship and the quality of you know, the original composition always being so important. And I think I always, I always have followed through with that. I mean, I studied design originally, so I did have an idea, you know, a lot of, of a lot of those things, but. It's definitely my number one rule. <laughs> it's the one thing I've never ever changed in my approach. I guess. I think that's really. I appreciate appreciate good design. Yeah, that's it's so useful. Yeah, absolutely. And and design for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it can be very mathematical, and uh, mm-hmm. you can break. Th- like, did you study grids at all? Much at all? I did when I first studied. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I was talking with a. The person in my studio about this yesterday. I mean, the, the rules and the you know, I mean, you can look at it in so many different ways. And I find that I kind of am like, and I thought I fell right in the middle where I had the stylistically. I really appreciated um, all this art from different cultures and you know subjects, which probably were in some ways you know not inappropriate, but just more surreal and not as obvious. Where I guess some people could say, oh, you could do it. You know, a more sensible kind of way, and the same goes with all the, I guess, all the practices in making something. You know, some people say you should follow this grid, this composition. You know, that doesn't really work out. But I kind of like taking the old school, old school things, mixing them up a bit. I mean, not completely bending them, but just seeing what 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 works really. Yeah. But I mean, I still follow, follow grid heavily. I I often use like the one third, two third kind of composition thing. And a lot of my work, things like that. So yeah, that's just composition 101. So so like, I mean, mm. but, but I I can see that too. There's because the, the grid system fascinates me too, and I have a couple close friends that are really um, they follow it like intensely, and um, it's pretty awesome yeah. <laughs> when they really get you literally go down into the rabbit hole with that stuff and. You know, you might totally. not come back out of it, you know. So <laughs> we got pretty some pretty crazy mathematical stuff when we did that Ghost in the Shell thing. And, and we uh, they were actually way more into it than I am. That They were doing, like, crazy calculations of the okay. mathematics of, you know, like every pixel and where it goes and all that stuff. So, but That is absolutely awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you would never notice it if you didn't look at it. But any designer and artist, if they look at it once, they know. You know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like a nod to other designers and artists, I think. You know, than it than the typical yeah, person, so <laughs> which is kinda, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, then you got to wonder like, who are you trying to appeal? <laughs> you know, to so that it gets yeah, kind of messy. Yeah. But that's just kind of how art is, which leads me to my other question I had, which is, um, I noticed that you have a pretty strong following and build on. Uh, that website Behance, have you been on there for a while and like what was your shift and, and like why? Because that's been a, a big um, kind of comment and just about exposure and, and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about your agent too because I didn't know you had one, so that's really cool to know as well. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, Behance, it was so funny how I came upon it. I was actually, I'd been called into hospital to have some surgery thing done years ago and I was sitting on my laptop Googling away on, I guess just platforms to show portfolio. I had a website then, but I wasn't sure how much publicity they actually gave me. Mm. So I don't know, I somehow found it back, it must have been like 2010 or so, and I just put a whole lot of stuff on there. Um, I've never, I mean, it sounds kind of ignorant, but I've never really kind of involved myself 
heavily in the community. I mean, you could spend all day on there, you know, looking at, at projects and, and talking with people about it. I've kind of just uploaded, you know, what I've done every year in sections, and people have completely loved it. I mean, I completely appreciate it. The support there has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, to be honest. I think, I mean, one got featured, then another got featured kind of thing, and it just slowly built up. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's it amazing. Sorry, yeah, amazing platform though. Yeah, now that Adobe's bought it out, I mean, it can only go. Yeah, I think it, if it's done well and they incorporate it into the whole, you know, within the applications and, and really build a community from it, it could be absolutely fantastic and massive for the creative, you know, community in general. I think. Yeah, which leads me to my <laughs> another thing, which is a concern and just a topic of conversation with a lot of this stuff is um, exposure. <laughs> And also people having kind of like the hive mind situation where there's a lot of um, riffing off of one another and, and, and um, yeah, which is sometimes is good, but then sometimes not, I don't know. But um, I guess it just depends on the, the originator and the content creator. So I think so too. I mean, it's interesting the way that everyone looks at it. Because when I first started illustrating, I was so, you know, I, I thought about that a lot. I was very conscious of, I guess, what I was creating. But then, I mean, as time has gone on, I've just come to realize that, you know, it, often, you know, people ask, what tool do you use to make this? Or what is your line work made from, etc.? I just don't, these days, I don't really pay that much attention to it. I mean, you can, even though you know what tool it is, it doesn't make any difference as to you know, how it's created. I mean, a lot, as you said, you know, with composition and things like that, a lot of that is just underlying elements, which it's got nothing to do with, you know, being able to copy it because you know the tool or, or you know the palette, etc. So, I, I mean, I, these days I don't really, I don't pay any attention to it really. I've got complete, you know, confidence in my own, my own skills. So I don't really, but when I was younger, I, d I definitely, as you know, all younger creators are, you kind of question where you're going to land and how you're going to get there. Is your style going to fit in? Will it be successful? You know, all those things. Yeah, well, that's who I, I would imagine is on here, are on these sites a lot more than guys like us who are working professionals that don't have would enough time, that, yeah. you know? So the impression is what I'm kind of talking about, I suppose. Like, is the impression, where does it go? And, and is it helping create mm -hmm. better content or new content? Or is this exposure causing a flood you know i don't yeah. know these things are just interesting to me because I, I feel the it's same a really thing. great question though well it's it's something that i think is as is, is changes per artist and different opinions on what people do and how they do them and some people would agree and some people don't and some people think that it's great and some people think it's horrible um for what it does to yeah. art but I've, i i also look at it like um and i was talking about this with a friend of mine is um, where you get your sources. And I was actually at Comic-Con and I sat in on a panel with Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy. And I thought mm -hmm. that was the funniest thing that he said. And I love how honest and blunt he was about it because he, he is a pretty candid dude. And, he, and I and, and I think um, it was either me or somebody asked him about um, creating content, original content. And he said that any time that he runs out of an idea or like he wants to build more out of the story, he just goes into his library. And I'm, you know, I'm not... Don't quote me on this, but this is what I got, got from him. But he has a, he has an enormous library. He's a huge fan of books like myself. And he'll go back to really old books that nobody can really say anything if he uses it. And he uses that and he builds, he, he takes bits and pieces of these things from the past or old stories. And he com, com, combines them and puts them into Hellboy. And for me, I think that's fun because um, 
he's just taking in bits and pieces of stuff that he loves and bringing brings them together and and i'm a big mike mignola fan so i'd like to see his translation so either way it doesn't matter to me but um yeah there's that consideration of problem with people who are like you know is that right or is that ethical or you know there's a whole argument on that but yeah i don't really care for that situation in particular it doesn't matter to me but I see that there's a lot, like even on Behance, there's there's people on there that are directly ripping off other people. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm part of me is like, is that because it's just there, or the, or is it like um, people are seeing like, oh, Andrew's successful, he has all these views, I'll just copy him, and then mm-hmm. that'll lead me to that. It's the same thing with like Frank Frazetta and all the you know the the wannabe Frank Frazettas. And the good yeah, ones totally. eventually became themselves. So a lot of them started off like that. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's exactly it. I mean, that's spot on what you just said. Is the I don't know if necessarily the good ones, but I think at the end of the day, especially in things like illustration, I often believe that uh, the hard work and the passion that's there is really the only thing which is going to get you to make it in the end. I mean, I, I talent is a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong with that, but hard work and you know, you have to be completely ignorant. Just, you know, you got to kind of be crazy in a way like, to keep going. <laughs> when you think about what you're doing in the beginning, I mean, my early days, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just was stuck in a mindset of like, you know, I have to make this work as a job. I gave everything in my entire life in the first like three or four years just to, you know, do. Well, even then, I didn't really even make much money doing it. But I, you know, the amount of hard work I put in, I think that is it's definitely what separates. You know, those who are going to job professionally and those who don't. And I think a lot of the people on, you know, maybe who you know, employ, well, in ways do copy certain things. You know, I mean, it's a quick shortcut, but longevity in it and, you know, being able to do it professionally is completely different <laughs> than making, you know, four or five, six pieces based off a certain style. I mean... Yeah, the people it's that gonna are going to hire you. Doing it professionally. Yeah, most of the time when people hire you too, they're going to hire guys like ourselves who really put everything that they can into it, and and it shows. And they're we're creating original content rather than somebody that's doing a a spinoff, I suppose. You know, so. But at the same time, yeah. you never know, though. But it's challenging. It's just something that I consider and I think about. And to to go back on what you were mentioning about. The challenges of the first couple of years. I know that um, for myself, it's it's incredibly challenging, um, and it is crazy too. Uh, totally, it's discouraging totally. as well. <laughs> yeah. So what what oh, what continued it's... to push you? You know, was it your mom's love? You know, or <laughs> was somebody like in your corner saying you can my do mom, it? <laughs> yeah, I'll give a shout out because my mom was awesome. She. When I originally left, I left high school early. I didn't go to university. I basically, my, my dad, I was looking to study architecture, I think. And then I, I left high school a year early, which isn't actually that big of a deal in New Zealand. It's, uh, the system's a little bit different, but it kind of was a big deal. My, my, you know, my dad was, my parents were obviously from the previous generation. Even these days, a lot of people can't comprehend that you can make a living drawing. So, of course, my parents thought that was absolutely crazy. But my mum always kind of stuck by me. And she was like, you know, if you really love it and you want to do it, go for it. Yeah. She was nice enough, you know, to help me out through the years. Um, I don't know what actually got me there. I think I'm a very extremely driven person and I just kind of always have followed uh, what I wanted to do. And I think I just... 
Yeah, I was too young and silly to give up, you know, I just kept going in a way and it just snowballed. Mm -hmm. I was so lucky that it just snowballed really quickly at some point and it it ended up turning into a full-time job. I mean, I I did actually finish studying and I applied for a lot of graphic design jobs after studying for one year uh, graphic design and I got denied from all of them. Mm. I like didn't even get second interviews, I got nothing. Pretty much everyone laughed in my face, to be honest. Wow, so, yeah. But, you know, I kind of took that and I was like, well, you know, if there's any time to do it, I'm young now, you know, I can kind of make a push in, in doing what I want to do. If it doesn't work out, you know, I'll learn from it and be better from it. So, you know, I think after those interviews, I just worked my bum off nonstop and put together a small portfolio and it just happened. I think the drive was just because who I am as a person, to be honest. And yeah. that's also much why I think, you know, how I've made this point. Mm-hmm. It's just the hard work, the dedication, the time, mm-hmm. the sacrifices to kind of, you know, make it a career. Well, not make it. I mean, it's not like I, I have to force myself to do it because I love what I do every day. So, I mean, I get paid in a way to do my hobby or my dream. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not hard. But at the same time, you know, you do have your days. Everyone has their days where... You, know, you question if you're going to make it or if it's going to, you know, you're going to make enough money to live or, you know, when you have a family, buy a house, things like that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which all makes sense. But, I think people see in, in, in artists too, in art is, is when you finally see the final piece, they actually see the culmination of all those long days, you know? And I think so. I completely believe in that as yeah, well. Yeah. Like master artists, um, you could, I, I mean, for me, I could just sit and look at a Rembrandt in real life for hours because, mm. because I could feel it, you know, I could feel his art, you know. And yeah, a- I think that, that same feeling, you know, the, specifically mm. with art directors and clients I've had in the past, you know, I think a lot of good art directors will often mm. reference and say, you know, I can, yeah. you know, I really want to contact you about doing this job because I can see, you know, the passion or the drive you have with the subject or this you know, this work that you've done. I've had that so much with a lot of my, um, like, basketball and Japanese influence stuff because it's so close to me as a person and who I am. Um, I think it just it has, that, has that extra level of, like, character and just, I don't know, just something nice about it. I mean, a lot of people do say that. I think that's that, it's that certain level of just passion and attention to it that separates, as we said before, you know, separates the people who are looking for the quick career or the quick, you know, moment than the ones who actually are there for, you know, to fulfill what they love and really do it as a job. Yeah. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I think that these are the, these are the key things that really resonate and and actually turn you into a working professional and, and and allow you to stand out from the, from the masses. Is there something that, um, so I suppose you're touching on it earlier is, is you're, you're, you're mentioning that your style is, is a culmination of the things that you're interested in, which is always the best way of doing it. Um, but then do you think that by having this culmination and bringing some older kind of like James Jean does it as well. Like there's quite a few artists yeah. that are really successful at taking uh, an older traditional art and bringing something contemporary to it. Do you think that, yeah. uh, that might possibly be one of the things that's helped you out or 
might have clicked for you or is it just always been completely these are just your interests and you're continuing because that's always been my thing too if you're ever going to do anything in life do what you love and that's all that matters if you can you know and if you're if you're Mm -hmm. lucky like us you're able to do it and get paid for it you know so yeah i think as as you just mentioned about Mm -hmm. taking older things and, and giving it a re kind of hash in your own way i think i mean it's a touchy kind of one some people don't talk about it some people do i think surprisingly a lot of people you know nearly everyone always is going to have their massive reference folders i think the way that you approach it and also you know as long as you're not visually just throwing you know everything that has already been done out there in the same sort of way with no narrative or you know change to your subject it can be a little bit questionable i guess in certain circles but at the same time the way i see it is i i kind of approach it stylistically to be that way but i always found that i've always had the underlying subject or narrative you know really close to my heart especially with my personal work it's always been about things i absolutely love and a lot of the series has always been about basketball food all these things i mean the style of it's just no it's a it's a layer it's the skin kind of over you know the idea I mean, some people, the idea is not always, you know, depending on the style of your work, is not always going to be at the forefront. But for me, it's always been, um, I guess, the more important aspect of what I'm, what I'm doing. But I think it's interesting. I think, yeah, James Jean's a good example. I think a lot of... I, I like Mark Ryden does it too. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's great for everything though i mean everything's always going to evolve everything's always going to change a lot of stuff has been done obviously (laughs) to this point and i think yeah i I mean i don't i sit in the middle and i think it's great i've done well but obviously you know as with everything there is always a line yeah but and different people you know perceive that line being in different places i mean some people find the smallest things and some people just don't mind because they think it's something that looks cool that they like. So, Yeah. Do you, do you feel that there's, there are original, like there's still a lot of original content being created or is that everything's a derivative off of an existing example of something? Um, I, to be honest, don't really look at an image in that sort of way I mean well not an image I mean it could be anything a moving image a film anything yeah. music the same thing I kind of try to just you know, enjoy things for what they are I mean I think it is harder than ever to really create something original because a lot of creative things now are you know accessible to to nearly everyone you know you can make your own music you can make your own art you can make nearly anything in your own house if you want to you know that that, that gap you know, with technology has definitely made it easier. So I guess a lot more is being made. But I just, you know, if people are doing good stuff and they, you know, the passion is there, you can see it. I'll enjoy it for what it is. I'm not going to overthink it. And yeah, I think when I was younger, I did. But now I just really love, you know, looking at people making cool stuff. Yeah, same. I, I, I just appreciate good yeah. art myself as well. But these are just concepts and just like I always like to ask these kind of things of content creator because, <laughs> yeah, you are a content creator. And as you, like I'm looking at your um, your work from back when you first started, seemingly like you started posting it all the way until now. 
like your sensibilities have changed significantly mainly like with the colors and the usage of colors you know seems (laughs) seems like you're you're not afraid to use bolder stronger colors i suppose you know like it's so funny you say that (laughs) i was about a week ago i was looking through my archive and I, i kind of spent a day when i was archiving some work and looked through pretty much everything from back uh, 2006-ish through till now. And, I mean, back then, my, my, my colors always had the same sort of offbeat feel, but they were always far less saturated, and it was, it was actually quite far from what it is today, which in some ways I kind of always wondered, you know, if people would still follow, you know, from, from what they originally saw. Because when you first, you know, your first works are always the one which, which you're going to get you know, that initial attention, but it's those ones in your career after that, which I believe are the, the most important ones, because if you follow it up with, you know, strong work and you keep at it, you know, how people react to that and what work you get from that, I think, you know, really says a lot as to who you are as a person and your work. So, yeah, so it's funny. It's really funny to say that because my work has color wise completely evolved. I didn't actually know it until about half a year ago when a friend of mine was looking through it and he was like, wow, your, your work's so, so bright and vivid now. And yeah. then I, I think I overlapped like a couple of things, which the subject was pretty similar, but the colors, you know, five, six years apart was so... It's, it's funny though, because the actual tones and the values of it, well, no, the values, like the contrast and the, the amount of color in it are really far apart, but the actual offbeat kind of weird color palette is still there which is which is kind of reassuring it's yeah. just gradations yeah. and stuff and, and and like pinks to oranges and stuff and yeah i love my <laughs> but love it's my cool <laughs> yeah of course but yeah, I, yeah. I think that's just a sign of um growth and change and perhaps um i often think that if you're really creating stuff and you're also really living your life that your art will oftentimes reflect your life um and i can tell that in artists i mean it happens a lot you notice it a lot in certain artists that they lose a family member or they gain a family member or they um they are trying new things or they're exploring and experiencing different things and it's almost when i see a really colorful piece i i begin to consider the psychology of like oh this person's um exploring you know they're not trying to hide from it but i don't know maybe not yeah definitely i would say i mean i I thought about a lot as i said before when i when i looked back and i think the one thing i really noticed from it was when i first started illustrating i my confidence in i guess my work and who i was as a person like as, you know, visually as a, as a professional, who I was, was not as, probably not as strong or just not as confident. I feel like my work now, especially with the color, is a, in a way is a sign of, you know, the confidence and experience I've had over the years where it's really built, in, built up to this point where now I feel like I can, I can grab whatever color I want really, you know, I can really attack things which I would probably be not scared, but just a bit unsure and not as confident in the past. Whereas now I feel you know, my range and just that underlying kind of confidence with working with any you know, sort of subject, any person. Um, it's, it's very bold. Stronger yeah. Than what it was. yeah, you're making a statement yeah, yeah. now. It seems it seems like you're not afraid to make a statement. You know, so yeah, yeah. I think it's nice also. 
especially with an illustration, because when you first start out, you your style and people put such emphasis on you know developing your own niche and your own style and being you know who you are, which is incredibly hard. <laughs> I don't know every illustrator will say that because it definitely I mean it's a soul searching experience. But I think also when you do that, you kind of I've always felt like it kind of narrows you. Well, it felt restraining to me over the years. I felt like, you know, naturally as a creative person, you want to um, evolve and you want to, you know, you want to try new things, new mediums, new thing, new everything pretty much. And I felt like illustration sometimes through a certain point of my career, I kind of felt stuck and I felt like I was um, just following what, you know, was gonna, what was going to make me a, a living in a way, I guess, what people had, you know, in the past employed me for. Sure. Which um, is easy for people to slip into, especially if they have like a family <laughs> and, you know, like bills and not a lot of time to explore and, and try try things and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I can see how, you know, it does in certain situations. It definitely, you know, you, you kind of, it's the same with everything. You build it, build your progression of, you know, your style and your work around, you know, your life. Obviously you have kids and things like that. You have to, you have to fill a certain, you know, role within that. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think what you're mentioning too is to be, um, not good, but if you, to be an artist, I suppose, um, a growing artist, uh, there's, mm. there's a certain amount of risk that is involved with evolution and, and, uh, the I think the energy that you can put into that um, I found it in a lot of like artist talks and stuff even just recently um, um, Ashley Wood which I think he's he's a New Zealander too right I think he's from New Zealand is he or maybe Australia I'm totally Might messing that up yeah. I think it's from Australia <laughs> yeah just leave it to yeah. the Americans to mess that up <laughs> but uh <laughs> no I like uh he I think what he said when he was starting his career was um he had a lot of opportunities to, or he had a couple opportunities to take another job that would pay well and be steady but and instead he he took mm. the riskier route and was like fuck it I'm gonna go make my own comics this is why I'm in the states and this is why I want to do this you know and and yes. from great yes. risk comes great reward but it's also very sketchy and I think for any newer artist that is contemplating those things I think it goes back to our conversation earlier about mimicking or copying somebody else that's fine but mm-hmm. also be aware that there's going to come a day where you're going to have to become yourself and the risks that you must take in order to get there will lead you to the path which you're aiming for I, I imagine I think it's through that risk and the energy that takes to do such a thing you know but yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think that whole all elements of that sort of subject all fall into that same basket, you know, but you can't no matter what you really do in life, you can only fake it so far. You can only, you know, there's going to come a point where you know, time goes by, you're going to have to evolve to be better, you're going to have to change subjects, you're going to have to produce something which you hadn't before. Or, uh, it's just evolution as it is. You, you have to, and I think, yeah, that's why I've never really worried about the, I guess, the mimicking aspect of it because it's I always felt like, you know, you, you're going to have to prove that you're good at some point on some sort of stage. You know, you're going to have to prove your consistency. You're going to have to prove all those things. And I feel like those things alone just kind of, they did, you know, without even having to say yourself, they 
in a way represent you know the, the people who should be there and the people who shouldn't or you know so on yeah definitely you mentioned earlier um that you have an, an agent and i guess that i'm looking back on your website you have that so this the whole agent thing kind of eludes me i don't have one i never mm-hmm. considered having one i have a couple friends that crush it and they have agents um what's <laughs> what's that whole dynamic like when did that start how did that start is it something that you would recommend um i guess any kind of details or any of that kind of stuff would be awesome to know but um yeah it's it's an obviously massive in illustration the the subject of do you have an agent do you not you know what do they do for you and what i found over years of doing it every variable within you know having one just varies so much between people people have great experiences people don't i mean i've had been with debbie art who are in the uk all of europe pretty much in the us at the moment as well um for i think like six or seven years and i think i originally found them because i I built a portfolio on my website and I was getting some work, but it wasn't really a proper job. And I thought, I think I was about 20, 20 at the time or 21, maybe still pretty young, but anyway, I needed to pay bills and I thought, okay, I'll make a list of all these agents. It seems a lot of people are kind of doing it. And I emailed them and they said, you know, we love your work. You're pretty much a newborn. You're so young anyway, but we'll give you, you know, a go and seeing if it'll work. And it just, it snowboards so quickly. I wasn't at all prepared for it. You know, once you kind of <laughs> do one job um, for like a big kind of editorial client, it seemed that another one would come and another one, and the jobs would get bigger and bigger. Sure. And it just took off. I mean, there is obviously the huge discussion about you know when you're young, the experience you don't really know what you're worth. You don't know what you should be paid or what rights you should be handing over. Yeah. Can you touch on that? Cause that's a, that's a big com- conversation that I try that to is, have on here as well. Yeah. That's absolutely massive. And it's, I think one of the most important things in any sort of creative endeavor, especially, you know, when you represent yourself, um, it's such a big topic. I think it should be taught more at school. I think it should be taught everywhere more because so we do the podcast. So, so you know, like <laughs> yeah. you and I are kind of veterans of this stuff, and it's. I think it's important for us to share this information. Not only does it oh, it's, it helps our field, but it also allows people to have a life doing what they love. You know, and only yeah, it's, it's so the weirdest important. thing. It's the weirdest thing. I was just having a, a conversation the other day with uh, another artist, and and there's this whole thing in Hollywood with these holds and and all this crap and like second holds and i don't know if you are you familiar with that you know what that is no not necessarily let me let me <laughs> explain it really quick and let me see <laughs> let me see if you're confused by it because it's like just yeah. ima- just imagine a police officer or a lawyer or somebody else another uh, more rigid kind of format of business person imagine them putting up with this same kind of thing so in this field of motion graphics or films and stuff there's studios and the studios have all the jobs they have the clients they have the directors they have the everything you know so they call the shots. So they also do is say, okay, I, the producers will go, okay, I have a certain amount of time that I need to have this guy do this thing. Uh, I reach out to this guy because he's got the talent that I need to do this job. The guy okay. responds to him and says, hey, uh, I'm currently booked, 
but I can do this. And then the, the producer goes, okay, well, let me put you on a hold for this week. That's like three weeks mm-hmm. from now or something like that. And then if you, okay. if you agree to that, somehow, somehow in some way, like without them even giving you a cent, like you've consented to giving them your time or enough time of your own mm-hmm. just to like allow yourself to, to, to have to email them back and say, well, okay, I have another client that wants that week. Now you have to challenge them or something. Now you have to release the hold and blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on. Yes, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. It's ridiculous. That is and, crazy. And, and, and I get it. I get why these producers are doing it because what they're trying to do is, is they're trying to hold people's time what I don't think is right and what shouldn't be allowed. And anybody listening to this, if you have any kind of dignity in your own self and you're doing this kind of stuff, <laughs> try to stop it because I think what's going to do yeah. it is it's causing a, it's going to cause you to waste your time because you're going to have to spend a lot of time with emails and all this stuff and holds and second holds. If somebody is serious about hiring you, they'll pay you for it. Just let them pay exactly. you for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, 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 and it's, and it stops when artists start to respect themselves. And if you can respect yourself and you go, you know what, like I might not like even I, you know, I know the concern because there's a lot of new artists and, and a lot of new people are like, I'll take any job that I can get. But you're not you're not a, you're not you're not uh, you have to have more respect for yourself because if you don't, it pulls everything else down. And so that's kind of what this Completely podcast true, yeah. tries to do, at least and not in a selfish way at all. I understand why producers do it. But at the same time, they should be a little bit better at managing their jobs. Just not to be a jerk about it. And some producers yeah. I know, I so I know some amazing producers that are they'll never do that kind of stuff. So it's mostly just lazier producers that don't want to necessarily pay you, but they want you to reserve their time for them. And I just mm-hmm. I just I disagree with that completely. Because in business, imagine a lawyer. You know, like imagine a lawyer. Imagine going like, hey, lawyer, I'm going to need you. So like in three <laughs> weeks from now, just to save me Hang that around, week. Yeah. Don't don't work with anybody else. Just save me that week. I'm not going to pay you anything. The lawyer is going to turn to yeah. me and go, hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird that artists allow this stuff, you know, to happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's just due to, to insecurities, lack of, of self-value. And um, we do this stuff for p- love and passion, you know, it's... It's hard to put that thing in there. I would love to hear some advice from you for, you know, other illustrators or just creatives in general, um, because yeah. it's kind of up to us to show and explain these things to people so they have ammo when they go into these situations, you know? Yeah, I think it is. Um, my, I mean, advice is so hard because I think it's so, it's not spoken of near as much as it should really be spoken of, but I mean... Obviously, people are paid to get good, talented people for not much money. It's their job; they make a living from it as well. Yeah, they, you know, they're not they're not doing it to destroy the industry, but at the same time, they're going to do their job as well. But I think I agree with you that there needs to be a similar responsibility taken. I don't know if it's by individuals or by a committee or something, but I think the more people talk about it, the better. Really, I think. Well, sharing information, I, I think, said, is key. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think it also being taught, yeah, I, I guess, or being more publicly addressed within schools, within, you know, at art school and things like that, even within the industry, uh, would help. But, I mean, it's very quiet, you know, for something which is so big and it's so important for the future of creatives and, you know, anyone striving to do what they really dream to do in their life, for it to be so quiet about, you know, what kind of goes on with, 
that side of things within the business. Crazy. I don't think it's really right. I think it should be more public. You yeah. know, it should be brought to the front of it. Um, we're not, yeah, but when I was younger, I mean, there was one job which, just like you said, uh, well, it was pretty much, pretty much one job which defined how I, how I looked at um, like usage and rights and copyrights when I was about 22, I think it was one of my f- first uh, jobs for an agency. It was for like a, a TV commercial for one of the biggest telecommunications uh, operators in New Zealand. And, you know, they had quite a lot of money. They still do. And they basically, they got a whole crew of people who they wanted to illustrate to be uh, illustrating over this live capture on a, on a TV ad. And at the time, I didn't have debut art, I don't think. I had really no idea of what I did. I obviously Googled and kind of got an idea, put forward this price, and they basically said, you know, you're not, you're not worth that. Um, we can find, you know, a student who would do it for blah, blah, blah amount of price, or this person's doing it for that price. And it was that kind of moment where, you know, it wasn't at, like now in the, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that much money, but at the time for my age, you know, I ended up turning it down, even though it was a lot of money for me at the time, because I felt like, it's like you said, I felt, I don't know how I did. It was quite a mature move considering my yeah, age. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, I didn't have that kind of restraint, <laughs> but I, yeah, I was like, uh, I was, I was on my own. So I, when it came to me making yeah. money on art, I was like, just give it to me, you know? So I understand the desperate need of things, mm. you know? So, but I, that's man, good I on you for back. doing that though. I I yeah. I mean, it was, when I think back now, I'm, I'm proud that I did it and I, you know, it was mass money for me at the time, considering what else I'd have been working on. And I ended up not doing it. I mean, I look back now and I feel really good about it. Yeah. And it's often a good, you know, it's a good thing to talk about because, you know, the process of it, I was so stressed about, you know, was I doing the right thing or was I destroying my career? Was this the break that I should have taken or am I, you know, doing something which in the long run is going to help me? And, and I felt like, it was that moment where I kind of maybe it probably was that moment where I switched to being more professional and you know, really respecting yeah. myself as, as a individual and what I did. And it was, uh, it was tough, but it was awesome. I think it was the right thing in the long run. I think um, so too. I think that you give yourself, um, uh, you give yourself a little bit more value and, and then you have to own up to it, you know? And, and so every, yeah. all your actions kind of come from that. If you're desperate, your art sh- your art feels it, and and I think that's also good of you to have somebody tell you, hey, you're not worth that, and you go, well, you know, I think I am. So <laughs> take your business elsewhere, you know. Um, yeah, well, the most ironic thing from it was is that the the agency who asked me to do it, I ended up doing like a concept thing for it of the idea, and I, I got paid for that. But then I ended up doing the final illustration. But the agency, which was obviously going through a production company to, to animate it. The animation company then contacted me after um, I didn't get the job and said, we really love this concept you've done. You know, can we pay you to make it for us? So we can just put it in house in our studio and I ended up making it for them. So there you go. Exactly. I mean, I think that value definitely does pay off. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome how that happened. That's kind of of almost like it's how it's supposed to though, because you took, you took your, you didn't take that much of a risk and you allowed yourself to have your own self value. And you know, either, you know, if you're out there and you're listening, if your work's not good enough, that's where you really need to focus on. But if your work's good enough, just good enough to get you into the, in the door, 
you know, be sure to value yourself, you know, and, and if you're seeking, you definitely have to, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's a point where you have to become a business person though. And you got to be aware of your self value. What are some of the things that when and how did you start to discover? I mean, that story is awesome. Anything forth <laughs> off of the, off of that. And I want to also, before I forget, and we'll have to come back to it is I'm curious if, if you're going to make a book of your work and if, um, <laughs> You have the rights and, and how you do all the right stuff and all that kind of stuff with your content um, and stuff. So, because that's a whole tricky yeah, thing yeah. as well. So, but is there yeah. is there is there a moment that you remember a surge of change for you as a creative that allowed you to go? Was it after that and you're like, ever since then you've just been able to be more stern and, and, and honest with yourself about how much to charge and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that point was a turning point. Definitely. Um, how definitely how far felt. into your career was it? Oh, that wasn't far at all. That was maybe, I was, I think, 22. Okay. So and how old are you now? Like a couple of years. 28. Okay, 28. Yeah. So, so. It's, not, it's not that long ago. Yeah. It was right when everything was snowballing really, really quickly. I think, um, yeah, that, that was definitely a turning point for me as an individual. I mean, shortly after that, I did get an agent in debut art, which, yeah, it leads me to what you asked before, that, you know, they... I think one of the bonuses, obviously, of having one is they have that that experience and that knowledge um, within contracts and copyright usage, um, you know, retaining rights and obviously how much you're actually worth. And I think for the well, for any other illustrators or people who, who you know are unsure of that, I think having an agent in a way is a good way to kind of gain that experience. I mean, sure, you lose some money to them for it, but I mean, if you make the what's the cut? Do they take like a thirty percent or something? Thirty percent cut? Yeah, I think it's like twenty-five or thirty, depending on you know editorial advertising. But and I you mean, feel it's worth it too, yeah? Huh? Yeah, well, I think it depends how who your agent is, sure. what kind of work they do for you. I, I mean, I've heard such difference in what what agents do for their people, but I mean, Debbie Art's always been fantastic for me. I am pretty firm on like what I ask of things, you know, and they respect that. They agree that, you know, you should really try to get the most out of each project. Like I'm always involved in, you know, how exclusive the rights are, how long they're going to be, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's kind of your responsibility, you know, saying what you get for your percentage you're, you know, they're taking. It's kind of your responsibility as the person going into it. You know, if you sit back and say nothing and say, oh, okay, that's fine, blah, 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 and don't ask about it. You know, no, you're your getting fault. nothing from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But if you go in there and you want to learn, you know, from the experience of, you know, about how your work's being treated, about contracts, about that sort of stuff, I think, you know, you're really getting your money back in, in what it is. And I feel like I, over the years, you know, have just compiled this massive, you know, database of experience as to how to handle that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm completely comfortable doing it myself now, but I do keep debut out because I just, I like kind of the fact that I do little to no admin. <laughs> I kind of, you know, I literally draw all day. I don't send invoices or chase money or those sorts of things, which is the other side of it. That's I worth really 25% for sure, I would think. Ease of mind and yeah, it allows yeah. you to just focus on the task at hand and allows you to be what you do. And, and it also provides for that agent for you. If they're working hard and they're doing just as much as much work mm -hmm. or even if it's 25%, I think that's fair, you know. And you absolutely hit it perfectly. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary on Drew Struzan? Have you seen it? 
No, but I really want to. You should check I, it out. I was reading about it days ago. I just yeah. want to like shake him because I'm like, Drew, no, because uh, he is just this amazing, talented guy, as we all know, and he's uh, worked his ass off incredibly hard for his art career. But um, he's a he's a prime example of a guy that didn't really. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm talking shit on him at all, but I think that he didn't understand how to retain his rights or how to be a, a business person basically. And so mm. the film has a dark side to it for me at least. And I go like, damn, like, he, you know, the, like uh, somebody I think took all the originals of his art and stuff and had them and, and like, uh, like he couldn't get them back or something. It was horrible. It's, and you know, yeah. when, he, when he gets big and he's like, you know, doing all the Indiana Jones, <laughs> the posters and all these yeah. amazing iconic figures of popular culture. And, and he doesn't even own them, you know, and it's just like, damn, mm. you know, like, uh, it just, for me, it's, it's like, uh, I just wish that it was a bit different outcome for him. But if anything, for any creative out there that in any field, be aware of your value and what you're creating and, and try to keep, uh, keep a hold of it if you can, you know, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, I mean, it, I don't it, know, it's if challenging. you're not comfortable doing it yourself, yeah, yeah. If you're not doing it yourself, then, you know, for a while, get someone else to do it for you and manage it for you. I mean, yeah, you'll lose some money, but I mean, if you really want to, I think nah, at any point, if you want to take the job seriously, you're going to have to learn that side of it yeah. one way or another, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not that easy to learn yourself because as I said, it's not made as public as it should be. You know, the, the rates and what's fair and what's not is purposely not made that public so that, you know, everyone knows. Yeah. And it kind of keeps the jobs for the other people who are, you know, negotiating that stuff. Um, but I think you, you can't avoid it. You have to learn that side of it. I think, you know, if you, if you want to financially be, you know, make certain jobs within creative things, make it, you know, last in the long run and, and you know, be comfortable later in your life. You've got, you have to look after your work you know, and treat it, I don't know, as as you said, as your own, and you know, really, really look after it. Yeah, I respect that, and and especially, mm. um, I think that happens too when you're first starting out. You don't know the value of your work, and you start to release it, and <laughs> and then it, that those are actually sometimes the the most pivotal things that you create. And then it's just kind of, uh, you know, you don't value it properly, and so yeah, I think understanding and having uh, an educated understanding of of your value, and like you said, and I think a lot, of, almost everybody that I've talked to on the podcast, is like all, I don't know, fifty or sixty episodes, almost everybody's mentioned uh, how important it is to have these conversations and these things uh, embedded in our school systems when it comes to art, and they're not, and it's really kind of sad, actually. It's one of the most important things it's like it's not okay like yeah it's awesome to learn how to render a toe but that's not going to pay the bills you know so you need to understand <laughs> like how to pay the bills and, and and why that's important you know so if i ever go to, to education and stuff and if i do decide to later on that's definitely going to be one of the big parts of my drive for people is to educate them and and, and, and allow them to have a better understanding. And I'm hoping that anybody that's listening, if you have questions directly for this stuff, post it in the SoundCloud and hopefully we can keep Definitely. trying to attack them, you know, because I mean, I know we're yeah, being, a, I know yeah. we're being a bit vague here too. So I, I know I want to get more into details for people, but for the different mm. situations and, and instances, but it, I think shaping this art community and to make it what I think we'd like it to be, it comes from people yeah. like ourselves that are actually working and, and, and making a living off of it, allowing for other people to be aware of the, the downfalls and, and things and not to avoid, I suppose, you know, so. 
Mm. I mean, there's only so much you can. Sure. Obviously, everyone has to learn for themselves. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. But a little, you know, certain things, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, there's definitely, I think it's a responsibility of everybody who, you know, in all mediums, all mediums, because it happens within everything, really. Yeah. But mostly but, within but the creative field. I think it's great to... talking about it. Yeah, definitely in the creative field. But it's great that I think people are talking about it more than ever, which sure. is definitely encouraging. Well, it's due to the internet too, and connectivity and stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, and the transparency of things. Transparent than ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've heard horror stories of people like doing work, and me, uh, it's just the person allowing it to happen. But they'll do work and on a job, and they'll work their butts off and do the whole thing, and then the person that takes the cut gets like ninety percent of it without you know without that mm-hmm. being disclosed. They might have more things to have to they have to pay. Obviously, it depends on what it is, but. It's just situations like that are, are avoidable if you can value yourself properly, you know. And and and, and I'm not yeah. I'm not in this business to be a millionaire. I'm just in it to do what I want to do and, and to make stuff. And I think you're in the same realm. I mean, money is nice. It makes life a little bit easier, but I don't know. It's yeah. not it's not the drive, you know. It's not like that's the only thing. No, it's so, definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely not. You. But at the same time, you know, it is great. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, of course. Make a living. That's what it is. Within wow. reason, you know, like, you know, I don't know if I want to have a yacht and, a, you know, a, a gold <laughs> toilet. Who cares about that crap, you know? So, but yeah. some, people, some people do, they get a little crazy. But what led you to debut art? Like, what, what led you to that um, agency uh, in particular? Did you have a friend or something? Or No, I, I think I, at the time, I, just, I was fans of work of certain artists who were with them. Um, I come. I want to be Stefan Manal, who's a French illustrator. He's still with them. Um, I really loved his work. Uh, I can't remember. I think Vault Forty Nine was with them as well. I was really into design back then, and obviously Vault Forty Nine was massive yeah. back then. Yeah, um, they did some really cool work. Are they still? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I've been out of the. They're loop still with this. Art now. Yeah. Um, the, the work's obviously changed and they've evolved, which is. You know, awesome as well. They still do absolutely fantastic work. They're obviously, a studio now, so um, yeah. Looking at it now, they're, yeah, their work changed a ton. Yeah, so they um, led me there. I can't remember who else there was. There were a few artists who I really, you know, admired at the time and whose work I liked. I just thought, you know, if I'm going to talk to one of them, you know, why not talk to the one which has all my idols and you know, at the time. And they were the, the one. I, I didn't really even expect for them to even get back to me. And they were like, yeah, let's go. It's done. Blah. <laughs> so awesome. It just happened Yeah, really quick. Yeah, well, you had so, the other work to show for it, though. You know, you were ready for it. So. Yeah, but at the, at the time, I had no idea <laughs> that I was. Sure, sure. Yeah, I just took it, in, took it in stride. But yeah. they've been fantastic. Over the years, my relationship with them has just grown, you know, so well. Right now, it's such a good understanding of you know, what's expected on both sides from both of us. And now, you know, the process is just it's so nice. And I've heard such horror stories with, with art reps and <laughs> other really good stories. But What is know, one of the horror stories? Me. I mean, you don't have to give details, but things to avoid, I suppose. <laughs> um, if you want to, you don't have to. Dr- oh, no, no. Well, obviously, I won't say names, but yeah. just basically a lot of them are entirely focused around usage and rights and bad contracts being negotiated. Um, Do you review all the contracts as well, even though that they say it's okay? Um, Not now because I, you know, I have full trust in, in what is negotiated, but in the beginning I obviously asked a lot more questions and I made sure that, you know, there was a good understanding. Now not so much because I know that, 
you know, they always put through solid, solid contracts. But most of the stories or things I've heard from friends and people I know has always been based around just bad contracts being negotiated. You know, these people are taking your percentage and, and you know, representing you to these people. And they should have, you know, in a way they're kind of working for you and they should have you in their best interest. And I found in a lot of situations, um, I don't know for what reason, but they kind of rush will put you in a situation without making it, it clear to you as to what, you know, you're stepping into. Yeah. Especially with younger people, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, for somebody who's making that much money off your work and their responsibility to the industry and to you, um, it's just bad, you know. But some of them have just been terrible, like poor poor rates and then just not being able to display the works on even your own website. After yeah, what the it. hell? I yeah. What is that? So, so <laughs> deal with that a lot. <laughs> and the, nothing and then you're not allowed to show or be proud of the stuff you've done. That's, yeah, that happens a I lot in disgusting. the film and motion industry, which has got to stop as well, <laughs> which is really gross. Um, but yeah, you, have you encountered that at all where you have a client says like, even though you finished it, you cannot show it? No, and if I did... And I knew, well, obviously I'd never work with anyone who would say that anyway, because I think it's just totally unfair. But I mean, like I said, um, I think Debbie Art has always, I don't think they'd ever even ask of that of anyone they work for anyway. Sure. I mean, if they did, they'd probably make a fair compensation for the fact that you can't do it. So. Yeah, you have to be compensated for the, the damage that it causes yeah. to you, you know, depending on like how much work it is and how many months of work that you're out from doing other content that you have to create to, to, to show the world that you're able to create new content. Yeah, it's, then you have to, mm -hmm. you have to, that's like, that's almost a damage, I think, to your your work in a sense. And that's how you engage is. it. Yeah. But that's a real common thing in the film industry, which is really gross. Uh, it's actually, I hate it so much and I try to fight it <laughs> at every chance. And, and so I'm kind of being like a freedom fighter with a lot of these things. And if, if there's a client, even if it's a dream job and if they won't allow me to show the work or they have some kind of weird stipulation, I just say, it's, you know, that's not happening. It's not possible, you know, like unless you want to pay me yeah. like triple the rate. <laughs> and then they, they laugh at that because it's like, you know, they can't afford that, you know, so, but it's just a damage. So, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's within, you know, it's how you want, you know, what you need it to happen, I suppose, you know, so, but I think, mm -hmm. I think that's having a family and having to pay bills and all those responsibilities has turned me into a bit of a hustler with this kind of stuff. So I got to really hustle in the most positive of ways you know i i i'm sure it's same with you it's like once i agree to do something uh, i give it everything that i can to make it the best that i can possible you know so yeah, they, totally. they get their money's worth so either way you know so but yeah but that's cool to know that's yeah. cool to know about debut art and to understand their setup with you and stuff so and how you came about finding yeah. it well they're fantastic i think there's a lot of i mean i know also in saying that i did say that there were you know bad bad sorts of situations there's also a lot of really really you know I have other I know other illustrators who have fantastic agents who work in slightly different ways but it just depends how you like working and what what you're interested in what you mind doing what you don't you know yeah I mean I have thought at times of not you know of going solo but at the same time I, I just really like that the element of no admin and just creating stuff every day you know all I do all day is draw I yeah. don't do anything I don't need, I don't think I even have like 
I might not even have Microsoft Word on my computer. Oh, I'm envious of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I, not, I don't think I have any of that sort of stuff. I don't have Excel or anything. I just no. straight up just draw and create things, which is absolutely fantastic, and I really like that side of it. So yeah, I might be joining your club because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just I, I think I spend you know all the emails and all the. Uh, that's another thing for people that are listening. If you're considering doing freelance, there's these different routes you can take, obviously. And I decided to take it all on myself. And my wife, fortunately, is able to help me. Um, but mm. if she, you know, if she didn't help me, I'd probably have to go that route because it's just too much to take on. But you know, the hundreds of emails a day, along with you know, mm. bid, bidding and contracts and reviewing yes. and all that kind of stuff and oh. calls and. Yeah. And then one foot in one client's job and one foot in the next that's coming in next week or something, you know? So it's just like uh, it's super strenuous. But at the same time, it's just part of the business, I suppose, you know? So, and we do, yeah. I think we have a different market too. You're doing more illustration um, for like, um, mm. what, I mean, where does your facet go with? It's like you do narrative for like, um, it's not, you're doing a lot, it's not like, it's not product really mostly, right? Most of the stuff is like narrative art to go with like editorial stuff or is that, is that most uh, I of think, it? Or? I mean, a lot of the time it's been, when I first started out, a lot of it was heavily editorial based stuff. But in the last two or three years, especially, I think the big thing which has actually really changed has been, and this was kind of conscious in a way, it was changing my color palette to be more bright was also in a way a, a direct adjustment done by me to fit into other markets in a way because I found that my work stylistically was always really strong for advertising and stuff, but naturally in commercial sort of environments like that, you had to fulfill you know, a sense of, you know, you have to be part of relevant trends and I guess brightness and saturation is, directly relates to positivity you know sure and like you know fun and things like that so i think a lot of that i adjusted because i, I felt like my work would be really strong in a lot of those sorts of avenues yeah. and awesome. I, I i'm glad that i was kind of right because i mean the last couple of years i've i do probably half the amount of editorial even now i probably end up only doing one or two editorial editorial jobs a month um with people who i really like working with and the rest of it's uh publications advertising the big chunk of my month is always personal work that's um, cool like personal endeavors and stuff like that are you creating something so like of, a big project of your own right now um in the last half year i've been kind of thrown together a whole lot of stuff i'm basically going to put all my prints separate and i'm going to be starting a small streetwear kind of line of clothes for oh, cool. um based on basketball <laughs> obviously yes yeah, it's, it's a big passion uh, of yours huh yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to align um, those illustration skills, art skills, a bit of that design. You know, my my previous design experience. I really have wanted to kind of use that. I haven't really had the chance, so I'm gonna try to combine you know, all three. And um, probably in like two or three months, I think it'll be ready. But I'm, I'm getting there. It's cool. a lot of work, you know, on the side, but I absolutely love doing it. I mean, it's so fun. You know, it's everything I love in life. So, you know, that's I, perfect. I couldn't not do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to do anything. I think is is if you love it, then you'll never work. Really, it's not work. It's just time flies, and you're just enjoying mm. the passions and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it's it's a clothing line. You said. 
Um, it's, it's kind of a mix. It's kind of those things. It's just I'm going to basically sell it online, maybe wholesale some, depending on the situation. But it's actually kind of an open project. I mean, at the moment, it's just going to be a lot of the prints of basketball stuff I've done, kind of comboing together with clothing stuff. Hmm. Um, like basketball things, socks, like silly sweatbands and things like that. And then also I want to kind of maybe in the future try to move it even forward into maybe I'd be really interested in doing um, some basketball-related sculpture sculpture kind of stuff, like um, installation things and stuff like that. So hopefully it's, it's kind of like an open project just based on – I kind of see in the description it was based on the big three, which is a basketball term anyway, and that for me – would be ABC, which is art, basketball, and culture. I mean, the biggest three things in my life. So it's kind of an open project based around those where um, no specific medium, no specific um, direction. It's just, you know, focusing on those things I really like. And, I mean, they brought me so much success in, in illustration alone that I figured, you know, I should be doing it. I mean, another thing which was a really big deciding thing I'd be doing is I did a lot of work. Uh, last year with Nike Basketball um, for a whole lot of clothing with them. And I figured, you know, if Nike loves it, other people love it, well, I should definitely be doing it as, as well. Yeah, myself, definitely. So. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a, um, uh, what is that called? Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. What happened? What is it when people are, are business savvy or just like, entrepreneurial that's it uh, yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know why i didn't yeah, think I of the world so. yeah that is well you're seeing yeah. an opportunity for a market and if you can go direct to consumer yeah. from yourself then it allows for a whole different mm -hmm. angle for you to provide a living for yourself with creating like your own content mm -hmm. i suppose which i guess is 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 really for me at least and a lot of people is the main like dream i suppose is creating your own content um, doing doing client yeah. stuff is cool and it's challenging it's fun but um, I don't know about you but I can only do so much of that before I go mental you know like, oh totally I mean one really big thing which is kind of a little off topic to this but was I always say it was one of the most like deciding points in my career alone was when it was probably about 2010 a few four years odd ago and I, I'd been doing illustration for I had a you know I had an outlet for a few years I had a steady full-time you know, job of doing illustration, but I felt like I, I'd fallen into that. It's like we were speaking of before, fallen into that hole where I was doing commercial jobs and I felt like I was fulfilling a style and an expectation of me. Um, I was doing no, near no personal work. I was just kind of working you know, for the money and for what it was. And at that point, I kind of, yeah, I remember looking back at the end of the financial year and I looked back to my portfolio and I was just so unhappy with the work I'd done. I was not proud of it. None of it related to me personally. Mm. Um, and that was a really deciding point where I figured like, you know, I've got to, you know, remember what got me here. And that was the passion of, you know, just drawing and drawing what I love, the subject of it stylistically as well. So I, yeah, since then I, I've been, I made a solid you know, effort, or well, not really an effort because it, do, it doesn't take effort. You just got to get into the rhythm of doing it, um, of making personal work. And I mean, it gets harder the more commercial work you're doing to find that time and splitting it into little sections is what I found difficult because I like to, personal work, I like, to, I like to, you know, spend two days solid on it and, you know, really get in the rhythm of it. But slowly training myself to be able to do, you know, a little bit of it here, a little bit when I have time was quite hard. But once I learned, you know, how to do that, I just love it. I, I mean, I make so much personal work now which gets me so much 
commercial work because of the the quality of it. Sure, you, there's a direct contact between you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 your massive. honest self showing through. Yeah, which and is you're great. The best one. Yeah, you're the best client, really. Yeah, because you know what you know what you want most. I would imagine so, especially if you're developing it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Do you um do you scoff when people talk to you about trying to explain your process, or is it something? Because that's I'm sure that's <laughs> probably a consistent question. I, I can kind of tell in how you're doing certain things, but. That seems to be yeah. a, a, probably a lot of people ask. Is that a problem for you, or do you care? A huge amount of people ask. Um, I used to care, but I don't really care anymore. I'm pretty transparent about it now because, like I said before, I feel like you're more established. The now. underlying, well, it's not, even, it's not as much the established part. It's just I feel like the, I've learned more about the industry, about how the underlying, you know, what values get you to the point of what some people would consider successful are so different. You know, I see them so differently now than I did five years ago. Back then you'd think, oh, if I know what texture he's using or what layering orders in Photoshop <laughs> he's using, that's going to yeah. make me successful. But that's that's not what it is. It's like now I understand that, you know, it's it's those values, it's that hard work, that passion that translates directly into the quality of your work. The skills are there, you build them up, but you know it's it's that that attention to you know being true to yourself and what you love and what you do, which makes the good work. I mean, if I gave someone a completely layered, you know, if I gave someone hundreds of pages of instructions of how I made an illustration, it probably still wouldn't have the same char- like characteristical feel, you know. For example, of a basketball illustration from someone who doesn't like basketball as compared to me because you know I, I care about it it's, it's what you know I love doing and it definitely shows yeah absolutely so I, I, I mean I don't really I, I tell people everything these days pretty much cool I mean well, there's obviously there's a lot of tricks but yeah. I don't mind telling them all because it doesn't you know if you tell someone how to layer a texture or what effect you're using you know that, that doesn't make strong composition it doesn't make a good idea or it's part of the decision process. That's what's always fun yeah. when you're when you're viewing somebody's work. Usually, when it's completely done, you're you're seeing a, a culmination of just hundreds of thousands of decisions, little small ones, compl- <laughs> yeah. complex and very simple ones. But how that exactly. artist gets there, yeah. yeah. But I think that that's and, been and a draw with a lot of people um, with understanding the process of things, as if that would give them the resolve to to finding out their final. Mm-hmm their final decision making, I suppose, or how basically like, okay. Um, and that's, what's weird too. It's not like it's math because, you know, math is very simple no. and not simple. It's, it's, mm. but it's very, um, uh, you, uh, it's usable. Uh, but with art, you can't just go like, well, you know, a B like I see a nose like this, no, you see a nose no, like no. that, you know? So, but it seems yeah. like there's a, there's been a big draw for that. Um, at least in what I'm noticing with art in general and stuff. So, but from what I can tell um, from your art, and especially you've developed quite a bit and it's changed a lot since the first times that I've seen it. But the stuff mm-hmm. now, it seems like you would just draw with pencil on like Bristol board or something. Yeah, I I mean, it completely varies between jobs. Some I can completely draw in Photoshop if I want to. But I often, what I've always done, and everyone always asks how I get that soft 
like flowy kind of powdery buttery kind of <laughs> line work yeah yeah is um well first of all like i said before i think it's it goes hand in hand with who i am i draw if you see me drawing with a ballpoint pen like i draw flowy everywhere like it's like champagne everywhere it just flows <laughs> It's yeah. naturally how I've always drawn. Yeah. So I, I think it fits perfectly with the style of it. But I think often what I do is I just draw it by hand um, on a real soft cotton, like a hundred percent cotton kind of rag paper, which brings that real soft, um, like buttery feel to it. And then it's just in a, you know, I've got a whole lot of nice adjustment layers, which really keep the keep the really strong um, values of the line, but then also keep those light. Um, like smooth flowy ones and then it's a combination I do those and then I'll also I'll draw over it again sometimes in Photoshop um, and then just blur that to keep it soft um, yeah I mean it changes per job some are more flowy some require like for example at the moment I'm drawing a cityscape where obviously you know you can't really draw a super flowy dynamic cityscape it's not that easy because everything's pretty square yeah so it, it just varies on, on what I'm working on I mean I obviously love drawing really flowy stuff and uh it's just it's just who i am you know sure. when i first started yeah. drawing I, I wasn't sure you know how i drew i was kind of embarrassed about it. i was like oh why do <laughs> i kind of flow lines everywhere it looks you know i was like is this the right way to draw i don't know <laughs> but then as time went by you know i, I just kind of embraced what it was and I, I realized that my like exaggerated flowy line work was was just part of who i am and you know it's what people liked it was one of my strengths, so I just embraced it. Um, I mean, the same goes the other ways. I realized, you know, when I was younger, I realized that my rendering skills, well, I don't know if the skills were particularly bad, but I just, I didn't have the interest in it. I wasn't really interested in, you know, rendering a face or, or light. Light in a way, but in, in a more stylistic way. I wasn't interested in realism or, you know, things like that. I completely... I'm terrible at like oil painting and things like that. Sure. But I think that's often, you know, that's, that's the key to every kind of artist in a way is knowing what your strengths are, what you, not only your strengths, but what you enjoy doing the most. Because if you don't enjoy it um, or find it interesting, you know, the passion's not going to be there. It's not going to result in, in you know, good work. So I think, you know, when I kind of, I worked out what I enjoyed doing the most at, yeah. It was simple, and it, line work was a massive thing, and it's definitely, you know, everyone comments on it. Everyone, I think a lot of people always just like looking at my my good final line works before I color more than, you know, anything. People really appreciate them, which I really like as well, because they're one of my favorite stages. I just love, it's so organic. Well, I think that's mostly, work, that's that's probably you at yourself, and then I think what people are can probably connecting with it is you also have a digital aspect to your work that um, it's obvious yeah. that it's digital, but there's a, there's a tone to it that you can't get digitally. Um, as good as a Cintiq, I don't know if you use a Cintiq or because that's what I use. But as good as that is, it's still nowhere in comparison to uh, paper and pencil. Still, it's not like yeah. it doesn't have that fluidity. And I'm, which I'm actually starting to really get into now is is quill and nibs and all the mm -hmm. inking and brush. And it's just like ah, back to the goodness, you know. Um, because mm. digital's awesome, and I'm not trying to put it down because that's where I work in mostly. But using actual analog materials um, and combining them, ah, there's such a great spot, like yeah, such a good happy, that's a, happy zone. Yeah, I mean the, the best thing about it, and why I originally did it, 
like combining the two of them so aggressively was because I realized that, you know, first of all, it has that stylistic feel to it where it feels great. You know, you can't really tell, is it digital? Is it not? What is it? Yeah. But also, I mean, this is a job. You've got to, the business side of it, you've got to be productive. You can't spend, <laughs> you know, two, two hours filling in a red block of acrylic when you can do it in two seconds in Photoshop. Like, yeah. I found that I started using Photoshop more as a productivity kind of tool, you know, to adjust colors, to, to manipulate things and, you know, really just adjust, um, you know, stuff I'd already done. And I mean, I think my style evolved from that. I started doing more watercolory painting stuff and scanning it. And then I would really use Photoshop as a, um, a tool just to control the values. Um, and I don't know, I, I just felt like I, I could use it to control and make a lot of the stages of illustration quicker and more, you know, fulfill, you know, briefs, which, couldn't be done in that sort of time frame or to that quality so yeah it's a definite time saver especially for certain things but i think that you're using it for exactly what it's supposed to be used for i suppose you know so mm. like um yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of um like let's just use comic book artists for example a lot of the artists go back same to the traditionals that's been created since the beginning of it which is using the paper and pencil and then inking and then scanning and now they're using the digitals like even like the watchman for example like they colored it um back in the day without the proper technologies not proper but just the older technologies and then when they came out with mm -hmm. the, the next edition of the watchman they went back and redid the colored i think the whole book per digital specs so that it would they would have a better range and more options mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but if they had gone in and digitally drawn it all again i don't think it would have been as good as it no, is there you know no. so um but that's just my opinion i think what dave gibbons was managed to do with his art traditionally and then scanning it in i think that's really where um the beauty lies but that's you know like i said that's just my opinion so, so. yeah everyone has different you know some people love completely analog some people respect completely some don't but the thing at the end of the day is a lot of people don't realize is that it's, it's not only the choice of the person who's creating it. Like, I would love to, you know, make every image I do via woodblock in the middle of Japan if I could. But, you know, who, I mean, who's going to, I can't do that. I'm not going to get paid as a job. It's not really viable. Possibly. Um, maybe in the future, you know. <laughs> you build up yeah, a name for I mean, yourself and, you know, you become this yeah. entity. You know, like, look at James Jean. Or there's a lot of artists out now that are able to kind of build off them on their own momentum, you know, and, through tons and yeah. tons and tons and tons of crazy hard work, um, they're able yeah. to develop themselves into a brand. You know, Geiger is the same. I mean, there's so many artists, Mobius mm -hmm. and all those kind of guys. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely, but are are you inspired by like guys like Mobius as well, or did you come from? I mean, you mentioned I think in an um, interview that you didn't you didn't really get into art until after high school, right? <laughs> I, I was in art. I was in art class for literally two weeks. I got. I didn't get, I kind of got kicked out, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> basketball, would, basketball, it, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more, I think I, I went into it and I, I've always been quite open-minded in what I saw out as. I always thought, you know, it should be left kind of, especially at that age, to be natural and organic to kind of create what you wanted to. And I just felt like the first couple of weeks I was in there, you know, I, I mean, I appreciate anatomy and light and all those certain things, but I just felt like... You know, drawing apples and like wooden men, it's, it's, it's like all good. It's dreamy sometimes, but I just felt, 
it wasn't just fulfilling what I thought it was going to be. So I don't know. I just kind of faded out of it and kind of got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So I, I, mean, I, I yeah. But look at you I now, you know, <laughs> making a living off of it. Yeah, it's <laughs> super surreal. That comes around, but, yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't at all. I didn't even follow art back then. I loved. I skate skated a lot back then. Mm. I loved oh, like, like skateboard old, decks and stuff, like the Santa Cruz. Yeah, I, mean, all I that loved. Stuff. Yeah, Santa Cruz. Fucked back in the day was awesome. I still love fuck. They do amazing yeah, stuff. Did some cool Powell, stuff yeah. Too. yeah, I mean they've come around full circle. I love that. You know they they feel they've been completely true to who they are and yeah. still going. And they've seen through so many you know phases of. You know, escape came in and out, in and out, and it's you know still there. In a way, it kind of relates to me. You know, with illustration, with fads and trends, is that you know you just kind of, you know, if you treat yourself, you, you make it through. And I think those sure. skate brands really resonated when I was young. Um, yeah. I loved like '90s basketball cards. <laughs> oh <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Like, you know those real, like cheesy drawings. Super cheesy, you know, oversaturated yeah. ones. Yeah, they yeah. were fantastic. They are. They're um, they're funny now because it's it's comedy comical. But the, but yeah, I can yeah, see the draw yeah. for that. A lot of art that was at time kind of cheesy or offbeat, uh, and when you look at it now, it's like a nostalgia city, you know? So it, oh, completely. You allow it, yeah. you allow for the imperfections. I was just looking at like the covers for that old video game, Doom. Do you remember Doom? Yeah, and I remember Doom, definitely. <laughs> and the cover is kind of <laughs> silly, like the guy's anatomy is kind of silly, but um, yeah. but it's in, it's got some funny things going on in it, but it's it's nostalgia city and I just accept it and go, this is so fucking cool. You know, <laughs> it just reminds me mm. of those days. You know, I, I just find that to be yeah, funny same, yeah. about how art and stuff ch- changes and grows and matures and, and stuff as oh, well. It's so fascinating. So fascinating. <laughs> it is. It's really weird for me, like looking at the newer generation too, and the, the Tumblr generation or the Behance generation, you know, when I was growing up, <laughs> I was lucky if I could find a comic book shop, you know, um, but now you have yeah. you have everything at your fingertips with Amazon and shit. It's crazy. Like you have. I know it's amazing. I kind of had a late surge of that though because I, you know, my work does really touch on comical kind of elements of it. I guess more on the Asian influence, Japanese. But because you know, I grew up in New Zealand, comic books weren't massive here. Mm. Well, not Australia, but anywhere down here. Really, I mean, it's, it was often an American. Especially, you know, more Western comics was always an American-based kind of thing. And you guys are closer to never... Japan, though. Manga is really big there. Oh, completely, yeah. But I think it, both of those never hit hmm. anywhere That's... where I grew up. Like, New Zealand has none of that. There's the only real art which comes here is, like, the traditional Māori art, which is, um, like, really cool, like, tribal-based stuff. But it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a completely different purpose. That's, like, a, you know, a cultural one, whereas this was more you know, a visual, um, like party of just like, awesome. if I, you know, I think if I was born in America and I grew up with that sort of stuff, my style would have been completely different. I absolutely love comic books so much. I just, I found in the last like five years, I have really got into it because I just didn't grow up with it. I yeah. didn't have any of it. It's kind of cool now though, for you to be into it. I could see you really riffing yeah, off yeah. like Jack Kirby's work and stuff. I bet you'd really love his stuff. Oh, if you're not already, so you know, many fantastic, oh, it's, you know, artists. It's crazy. Even you of, I think comic even, comic know, artists and animators uh, have the hardest jobs in art. <laughs> For me personally, I think <laughs> you literally have to create a whole fucking world in and your everything. Your you know, it's just ridiculous. And when you make it move, it's even crazier. That's why I'm a huge fan of films like Akira. 
or Ghost in the Shell or you know Pally. I was just the- about to say, yeah, because when you mentioned about influences and, and people I really admired, I think Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli yeah. were oh, probably yeah. one of the biggest things which defined you know my love for what it is. Definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, did you hear the news recently? Away, did you hear yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah, but there's all that confusion about because they were saying that it got translated that they were actually closing forever. But I think it's just a, a temporary kind of. They're, they but have, still, they have I termites are just closing for this week. It's translation. <laughs> that's, that's a massive thing, but yeah, yeah. Well, he's really <laughs> old knows, now too. You know, he's when yeah. Yeah. We're lucky to have any of this stuff, you know. So I always, I always go and look at that and go, you know what? There's a time for everything, so you should just enjoy what you have while you have it, you know. Yeah, fully. I mean, he, he was stupidly and, and Miyazaki and massive to me. And also, you know, Akira, Paprika, recently, like all these famous, well, not, actually, they're not so famous, but in small circles, they're famous. But I mean, the, the narrative and the stories and the character, characters and all, you know, it's just, it just reminds me of everything I love, like my childhood, my adulthood, everything. It just fits into everything. I think it's... I just love it. I love it. And his work ethic is truly inspiring as well. He's got that Jiro Dreams of Sushi dude. Yeah, Jiro's <laughs> work ethic. Yeah, the Japanese work ethic yeah. is just out of control. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really admirable mm-hmm. too. It's like you look at like you look at Otomo and I think he was like twenty some odd years old when you created Akira and it's like Akira's like Two thousand pages. It's like, what the hell? Absolutely insane. <laughs> and I know yeah, that I he like, didn't draw all of it, from what I've heard, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But still, um, who the hell are you? <laughs> Damn you! It's just really completely. Who are you? Yeah. yeah. When I, I went to the, the museum, um, the studio uh, museum. I remember, I remember when I saw cool the work. I mean, it's not it's not exactly where they worked, but when I saw the amount of work and the amount of Ugh. just. <laughs> it's, it's just so hard to describe like Humbling. how overwhelming in a way it is when you understand you know the process and and just really how much it is because i guess you work and i just i was blown away i just couldn't believe yeah you know, how, how fixated and how involved in it all they were just you know surrounded by this world of creation of just everything yeah you know and so much focus. <laughs> if you like, crazy. if you like Miyazaki, then Miyazaki's a big fan of Mobius, obviously, um, as most yeah. people in that whole era. You know, Yodorowsky and everybody, and really mm-hmm. Scott and all those guys. I mean, Mobius is one of those guys that Mobius was amazing. Yeah, he just Absolutely. crushed it. But he seemed to be one of those people, from what I understand, that just um, obviously had the skills, but he just enjoyed playing in that realm. You know, which, mm. which I find to be fascinating, yeah, I, and I love, I love it so much. You know, I just couldn't, I can't, couldn't love it more than you know. It's so awesome, just really inspiring yeah, for me too. Was great. I loved his style. Like, yeah. so I don't know. It's just so refreshing. It kind of when I remember when I first saw his work, and I thought, ah, oh, you know, you really. I kind of felt like when I was younger, I had to hold back from. You know, I would be worried that people. I not think things were too crazy or too exaggerated. I mean, when I saw his work, I was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, you can just do what you want. Yeah. You know? And that's, I think when I first saw his work, I really thought, oh, I feel like I can, you know, stylistically push my work further. He was definitely one of the dudes where I saw his work and I, yeah. It's very French, definitely. which I love. Yeah, yeah. it is. French art. I thought he was an interesting, interesting guy art. as well, though. He's really, yeah. you know, it's almost like he didn't, 
he had that kind of charisma about him where he didn't care, but he did care. But yeah, it's very interesting. Around, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so for such yeah. a huge content creator too it's really interesting and to be so closely working with guys like dan o'bannon and because dan o'bannon's kind of uh, an un- unsung hero in films um you know he's this kind of crazy genius dude that worked and helped on like star wars and wrote alien yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff but um working yeah, with him and then cool. also working with yodorowsky who's also uh this kind of creative maestro as well so i'm sure that had a big Thing. And that's what I'm kind of talking about in the beginning of our conversation is, is being in that space of those kind of people. Um, when, mm-hmm. I, when I worked at a studio called Prologue for a year really intensely and everybody there was just so inspiring and it just it sharpened my knife just so sharp because everybody else was we were kind of not competitive, but we were just trying to push one another, you know. Um, and yeah, I, it really does. It, it does, really does, yeah. And if you're around people like that, I mean, I'm I'm really taking a lot of motive, inspiration from this because I got to figure out a way to kind of cultivate a little Lucas Ranch down here or something, <laughs> create a little flat or something, you know, just for pe- people to 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 sit together and, and just work, you know, casually and have a space that we can just collaborate on and yeah. stuff. So, I think yeah. it's, it's only positive that sort of stuff. I wish I'd done it when I was. Younger, I mean, I know I still am young, but I wish I'd done it when, you know, I was early twenties. But at the same time, you, you got to kind of—it's the same with everything. You, you only realize, you know, when you see the other side of it. I guess I didn't even know back then about that side of it. At the same time, if I'd worked in a studio the whole time, I wouldn't have known the opposite of what it's like to be, you know, working by yourself. So. Yeah, no regrets. But I'm glad I no eventually regrets. found it. No regrets at all. No, yeah. but yeah, you know, it's really nice that I've got to experience, you know, the other side of it. I mean, I have. There's two other illustrators in here, um, and we're all, you know, like firmly, constructively critical of each other. But I really love that. You know, I, I like value, honest opinion, and things like that. So yeah, it works really, really well. Yeah, the value of it. It's like it, it's exactly like you said. Like it does sharpen. It makes you, you know, you, you elevate to your surroundings always. So having talented people around you who you know put in the work only makes you better as a person in, in all elements not only just work as a person in life so yeah couldn't agree more i'm motivated to that though i'm seriously going to try and figure out that'll be my goal for the next like six to eight months or so is find a couple a pack of really good talented awesome people that i, mm. I, can, I can riff off in this somewhat good area and try to build it out and go have a little studio or yeah. something that could be really cool it's fantastic yeah I, re- I really would i think in the future no matter where i'm going to be as i said before i'll either join one or try to create another because it's, it's just so nice it's really really nice it'd be really cool to create like a network that's on like um in different continents that's just a studio yeah. flat, and then you can have people that can travel if they're they're in town for like um up signings or whatever and they can stay and work at that station or something then bounce around or something and you know as yeah, long as the rent nice. is relatively cheap then it's not a big deal you know so yeah mm-hmm. something to consider and that's, think a good, about. that's a good idea yeah let's yeah, do it definitely. let's do it yeah, or if you're listening and you want to do it let's do it <laughs> i think it'd be awesome people of all cities out there come to us now <laughs> i just know that i know a lot of <laughs> i know a lot of traveling artists are a lot of artists that love to travel and and to have a place where they can go like oh i can just go to this studio and work i mean tattoo artists do it you know like i'm a big yeah, fan of tattoo it. arts and they they'll go like a really good tattoo artist will travel quite a bit because they'll get to go experience 
different artists, different studios and stuff. And I know, and I've seen it in evolution of tattoo itself. Um, it's very keen and influential. And I think comic book artists do it as well. So it's basically without going to yeah. a company, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. like having that, but it's not. So it's a little bit different, I suppose. It's for the, it's, it's, it's a very niche thing I would imagine. So. Yeah. But, I think also technology ties into it so well. Yeah. You know, you know if, if you did do it, technology, the little, you know, the fact that you can communicate with nearly anyone everywhere at any time now, I mean, I think would plan sort of nicely. You could really, you could organize and manage it well, all those sorts of things. Yeah. But a good time for it, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with all this like base camp and all that stuff and all these different little like yeah. schools and stuff. Actually, I only yeah. just started use. I used base camp for the first time ever the other day because it's, it's not so, I don't know why I've never really ran into it. Yeah. What do you think um, of it? I think it's good. Well, I actually just got earlier this year when I moved to Melbourne, I got a second agent who only represent me in Australia called Jackie Winter, who they use it for their projects. Yeah. But I think it's pretty good. I think like with, with smaller jobs, it's maybe a little bit tedious, but I think with larger jobs, you know, when you've got multiple art directors or people within it, you know, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I, I can definitely see, you know, how it could be great. They're pretty rad company. They even, they actually sponsored the, mm. the podcast for a couple episodes, which is really cool. I've been using it for a while. Oh, nice. So, and, but I think I find it to be really useful with, like you said, perfectly exampled, like a bigger project, anything small. Mm. It's like, you can just do it through email, but anything that has, yeah. um, you know, beyond five or 10 emails, I'm like, ah, oh, let's just put it in base camp. Cause then I could just have a, <laughs> yeah. I could have a track record for it, you know? And they're cool yeah. people too. I mean, they're good. They're a good group of people that just want to make cool stuff and allow for creatives and, and pe business people alike to have a better way of getting a hold of things and managing them as yeah, well. The, the innovation in it is, is great. I mean, you know, the idea, the idea of it, the, especially for like collaborations and things like that yeah. is nothing but fantastic really it's so positive you know for doing projects i found i did a, a job earlier this year for a music video where i did an insane amount of roughs and just like, hundreds and hundreds of drawings for it where that basically would have been like the best thing ever in my life yeah <laughs> as well it's got some email threads with so many images so hard to organize i would have dreamed of having it then yeah absolutely but, i nah, think yeah, i think i'm glad i found it now yeah, I, and same for me as well. I use another application called Harvest. Have you ever tried that? that I've heard of, but I haven't good. tried. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It, it seems to work really well for anything that I'm like. It's just for invoices and generate. But I do a lot of that stuff myself, so perhaps. Yeah, not, yeah. But these are these are also things that I try to tell people about, um, just because I think it helps with the business side of things. I was introduced to it while I was actually working at a studio, and it's just like time management, and then also invoices, and then you can do like full on uh, like year end things. It's pretty cool. You can tr I think you can try it out for free, from what I remember. Yeah, I think but, someone in the in the studio uses it. I'm pretty sure. I'm the other day was telling me something about. I'm pretty sure it was Harvest with the time management thing. So yeah, so I'll go I'll yeah. go watch some people. <laughs> yeah dude it's been awesome talking to you finally and i hope that we can, yeah, can continue our communication and if you're ever in san diego let me know we'll we'll hang out and draw some yeah i would love stuff. to stuff yeah yeah i'm definitely gonna be over there so there's not a lot of basketball stuff here so yeah you'll probably end up going to uh, la <laughs> yeah yeah no, i'm pretty sure there we uh, there's good food all down there oh Even yeah towards, towards the border there's so much good food oh there's epic there. food if you like mexican food i mean san diego holds it down 
Well, I think we have yeah. some of the best in the States, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, it's, it's amazing, <laughs> amazing food here and amazing stuff to be had. But, um, yeah. yeah, dude, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time out and chatting and, um, yeah, no worries. It was fantastic talking. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever want to come on again, just let me know and by all, by all means. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, I'll, you can send me a link as well to, um, like the stuff that you're going to be creating and stuff. I'm sure people will be curious oh, yeah, and interested yeah. in it and stuff. So, um, but yeah, anybody that's listening to this as well, there's always links inside the podcast thread, um, for your work and your, your blog and all that stuff as well. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been really cool. It's cool to be able to finally communicate with you from just, you know, <laughs> yeah. being on the outside, looking at your art for many years too. It's been odd that I'm like, oh, finally, yeah, it's been probably like, I don't know, five years. I've just kind of seen your work and been like, oh, it's really cool. And then I start seeing it develop and grow and then. And I'm like, oh, it's evolving quite a bit. So this is really cool. So, yeah, no, I, I fully appreciate that side of it because I thought it was only, and some people notice it, but it's re- it's super refreshing, you know, to hear that people, you know, have seen you you grow and you know, it's quite rare. Not many people notice it. So yeah, uh, it's, mad props for that. <laughs> yeah, props to you, man. Yeah, awesome, <laughs> killer. Well, have a great day, and um, thank you again for being yourself and kicking some ass. <laughs> <laughs>